We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash lawless. Just go to Indeed.com slash lawless right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed com slash lawless. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. This episode, well, it's a very special episode because we are coming to you directly after the 26-player roster drop of Greg Berhalter and U.S. Soccer for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Myself, David Mossy, and my good friend Stu Holden join us. So let's get to it. You ready? Let's light this candle. I am trying to pace myself, gentlemen. Uh, we've all sat and watched uh, our friends uh, over there at uh, ESPN uh, put on the show and make the announcement. Um, as expected, there were some surprises. You know, there were leaks the last couple of uh, days and different stuff. Some of that came to fruition. Some of it didn't. But we are going to go through the entire thing. You can see the final roster here of the 26 young men that are going to represent us in Qatar for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Uh, formidable, interesting, exciting, and I think ultimately, in my estimation, a successful group, but not without controversy and not without debate. So, welcome, Stu, first off. Thanks. Thank Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you for I'm excited uh, working to be here. us into your busy schedule here, my it friend. It feels real. This, this is the moment. Look, the rosters are dropping now uh, across the World Cup teams, the pool, the, the, uh, the pool of teams that are a part of it, and this is a big one for us. This is the first time the U.S. are back in a World Cup in eight years. These are young men that have dreamed their whole lives of representing their country in a World Cup. 26 of them get to realize that dream, potentially. There's a lot of players, though, that did not make yeah. that cut, and that's what we're going to dig through. And, yeah, this uh, it feels real. It feels real. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, this today, while it's it, it will be full of debate, it's also a celebration. It's mm -hmm. a celebration, of, like you said, of the young men that are going to represent us and this team that is going to represent what I feel is the greatest country in the world uh, over there at the, uh, at the World Cup. Having said that, this is a moment that we are living in in soccer where there is plenty of debate and discussion and criticism, whether it's for Greg Berhalter, the coach, or the decisions that he makes, or the players out there. All right, should we get right into it? Let's do we... it. Let's All right, do let's it. start let's... at goalkeeper, and right off the bat, Greg Berhalter does something really interesting, something that I didn't see coming, I'm not sure anybody saw coming, given what Zach Steffen has been over the last cycle, let's see. So, Mossy, I'm going to let you start this out here. Uh, is this a surprise to you in that it's Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson and Matt Turner, and maybe more importantly, who it isn't, uh, Zach Steffen is not going to the World Cup. I am shocked. Uh, I'm not a Steffen fan. I've made that very clear on very our clear. podcast. Yep. Uh, but any time I've criticized him, it's been in the context of debating whether he or Matt Turner should be starting. I never imagined he would drop out altogether 
from the roster, but I couldn't help but think, I still remember the day when he signed with Manchester City and U.S. fans were celebrating on Twitter and you, Stu Holden, you were the one dissenting voice who came in and said, I don't know if this is such a great thing for his career. And you could draw a straight line from that decision to him being left out today. So I think you ended up being correct in the end. Yeah, it's a difficult one because you think about these big money moves that guys make, uh, two that were notably left off the roster. Ricardo Pepe went to Augsburg for 20 million. Zach Steffen goes to Manchester City. And I didn't foresee Steffen being the number one at that time. It was actually Brad Guzan who was in the mix. And then Matt Turner's massive ascent and rise has put him into that position. But I, like you, Mossy, still felt that Steffen would be a part of this roster. Not without his criticism. This is a guy who's had injury problems over the last two years. When he has played, he hasn't played convincingly well. He made a move in this last offseason to go to Middlesbrough to get games because I think he felt the walls were closing in a bit and he was losing the grips on that position too. Matt Turner, and ultimately he's paid the price of that. I, I still wonder if there's some part of that that has gone on behind the scenes with Stefan and Berhalter, but you cannot fault... Um, you cannot say that Greg Berhalter wasn't brave in his decision because this is a guy I think we can unanimously agree was a Berhalter guy. Yep. With him in Columbus, he brought him back from Europe. He had been the starter for this national team even when not playing well. And now all of a sudden he's not on the roster. And I'm not saying I disagree with the decision. I, I'm actually okay with it because I think that Matt Turner is the number one and I would be happy with Sean Johnson as the number two. Yeah, I mean, I think when we get through this, this, whole, this whole 26 the jury is still going to be out on Greg Berhalter. And I think those that have disagreed with him are going to find some common ground. But I also think, also think that those that have kind of championed him are going to be scratching their heads. I don't think ultimately anybody is going to be happy with this roster. Maybe that's a, the sign of a good roster. When it comes to, I mean, first off, I don't think any of us disagree now. The starter is Matt Turner. Matt Turner, Okay, yeah. it is going to be Matt Turner. Although, you know, he was on the bench today coming off an injury, but uh, Greg Berhalter made it very clear that he is going to be fine unless knock on wood, and we don't want anybody to get hurt between now and then. I guess I should say also that this roster can be changed all mm -hmm. the way up to 24 hours before the World Cup if there is an injury or, or a COVID type of situation. So, yes, it's set in stone ultimately when you hand it to FIFA, but there can be some changes up to 24 hours. But when it comes to this particular move, I think maybe more so than any move, this shows that Greg Berhalter, that sentimentality that you were talking about, because we all know mm -hmm. that there was a piece of Zach Steffen in his heart and it was his guy. I think Greg Berhalter shows that he can be pragmatic and that in a certain sense, he can be ruthless because this had to have been a hell of a phone call yeah. for him to make to Zach Steffen. But, but don't you think about it, the way I'm, I'm analyzing this, if there, injuries are a part of Zach Steffen's story, yep. like it or not. Form has been a part of his story. I also think if you're committing and you're Greg Berhalter, and I think in his mind he's saying Matt Turner's the number one, it then becomes about the, the team around the him, dynamic. right? And the, the collective and the dynamic. So Sean Johnson, you're assuming is your two. Your number three guy historically never plays in a World Cup. It's a guy that's good around the team. He's a glue guy. He's fun. He's a good trainer. He pushes guys. I wonder if he said, Zach Steffen, you're not my number one. He wouldn't be happy as a number three and therefore creates this dynamic. You want to give your number one goalkeeper that confidence that you're my guy, and you're not looking over your shoulder and thinking, if I have one mess up, Zach's stepping in there, so maybe you've removed that element completely and said, these are the three that we're going with. I think we're going we're gonna to talk about that a lot in some of these decisions that were made in terms of that dynamic. And look, we, we are on the outside, and we'll scream and yell, and we'll have our opinions, but I think when, if, if Greg Berhalter was here through this show, and we make some of these, <laughs> some of the, some of these debates and these arguments. We would say, from my position, blah 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 blah. 
And then Greg Berhalter would say, yeah, but I'm in a position where I see everything that goes on. Mm -hmm. I don't just see that 90 minutes. Yeah. I don't just see that save. I see how that player interacted when he came in to a dinner that we have. I see how that player reacted when I told him he was starting or when I told him he wasn't starting. And, and to your point, that dynamic is huge. We all understand that. By the way, in history, there's been times where we have had you know, players like Casey Keller and Tony Miola on the same team. You don't have to like your teammates, okay? Mm -hmm. You have to respect them, I think, but you would be surprised at the dynamics sometimes that exist that can still result in teams winning. Players want to win, and they will put up with anything. They will accept anything. They will look the other way for a lot of different things. They're able to compartmentalize, and like I said, they're incredibly ruthless when it comes to who they play with and what those people are. But coaches have to take the group into consideration, and yeah. to your point, I think it probably was taken into consideration. Indeed. Uh, Stu is treating this like it's a given, but do you agree that it's Sean Johnson 2, Horvath 3? That's yes. the pecking order behind Turner? I think so. I mean, I, I, either one, uh, ultimately... I don't think it changes a whole lot, but I think it, it's far and away now very, very clear that Matt Turner is the number one goalkeeper. Yeah. So if that was his goal, just by doing this here in the way that we're talking about it, we're reacting, I think mission accomplished. Yep. All right, should we move on to the, uh, the defenders? defenders. Yeah, okay. we've got a lot. Again. A lot to know <laughs> off here, Lawless. All right, All right. So, so listen, um, the, the usual suspects would be your Walker Zimmermans, um, your Aaron Long, even though I know he takes a lot of criticism, I don't think that there was any question as to whether he was going to be on this roster. Uh, Anthony Robinson on that left back position and Serginho Dest. Then there was some question, uh, although I think DeAndre Yedlin, yeah. who was the only player, by the way, in this 26 that played in a World Cup uh, two cycles ago. So again, this is the youngest team going to a World Cup. That is part of the whole narrative of this team. And I think ultimately part of what is going to make them interesting and ultimately good but there is some experience when it comes uh, comes to that. Uh, the amount of outside backs, evidently, that we are taking this World Cup and outside backs that can play both right and the left when you're talking about a Joe Scali or a, a Serginho Dest, uh, that, that, is, that is interesting. But let's get right to, first off, Tim Ream, because this was the talk now over the last couple of months. Tim Ream is nothing new. We know exactly who Tim Ream is. He's a starting uh, center back in the EPL, left-footed player, not the fleetest of foot. Every player has their goods and their bads, their positives and negatives, but certainly after the last window and Aaron Long not playing well, to have somebody like Tim Ream now come back into the fold who wasn't included in that mm. last window. Um, again, I think that this shows the wheels turning in Greg Berhalter's head and the pragmatism. And even when people were telling him, why aren't you taking Tim Ream? Why aren't you taking Tim Ream? Rather than pushing that aside, because he hears everything. They all hear everything. I think he said, sometimes the simplest and clearest decision is the right one. Yeah. And so maybe that's why I think why every, every description you use for Tim Ream is why he's on this roster. And the, the biggest questions about this group and who is going to be starting for me were goalkeeper up until the last couple of months, center back alongside Walker Zimmerman, and center forward. I think the rest of the team kind of picks itself. And what Tim Ream does for me as a part of this roster is he's a guy that is going to give you a consistently high level no matter what. He, you know you can depend on him. For what will be the youngest roster at the World Cup, you now have a 35-year-old experienced player that's played for the last 10 seasons in England between the Championship and the Premier League, playing at a very high level this year in the Premier League against a lot of the guys that you are going to see in that second match against England, even the first match against Wales. The starting striker, potentially key for more, plays for Bournemouth. Fulham have played against Bournemouth in both 
Championship and Premier League. So I actually love the team rim inclusion because of all the other options. If it's going to be Aaron Long or Carter Vickers alongside Walker Zimmerman, if we're assuming that Walker Zimmerman is the starter, Tim Ream, I, I want him starting that first game against Wales because I just think he gives the team a presence at the back. He's a guy that young guys can look around to that isn't going to be phased by that moment. It's going to be his first World Cup, of course, but he has experience with the group. He's got experience in the Premier League, and I think ultimately that that's, a, that's not a surprising decision for me as much as potentially Shaq Moore. I'm not sure yeah. if you feel the same way, Masi. Well, first off, let's remember, center back is the one position where the U.S. got really dinged injury-wise. They lost Miles Robinson and Chris Richards, yeah. two guys who I think would have definitely yeah. been in the squad. So I think that's what got Tim Ream in, and rightly so. I agree with you, too. I think he should be in there. And I think it is fascinating to see if he starts alongside Zimmerman or Aaron Long. That's going to be an interesting call. But yeah, the, the Shaq Moore inclusion is interesting. I agree with you. I think it seems like a bit of an overkill. <laughs> um, my question in terms of the fullbacks is, we all agree, I think, Dest and Jedi Robinson are the starters. Mm -hmm. If Jedi Robinson were to get hurt, would he move Dest to left back and start Yedlin, or would he plug in Scally? Who does he trust more to start a World Cup game, Yedlin or Scally? Yeah, I, I think it would be Yedlin, but I wouldn't be opposed to Scally. And one thing we're going to have for Greg Berhalter the coming days, I mean, what about the idea about maybe playing with a back three? Yeah. You think about some of the center back options that you have. You think about fullback, wing back options, even late in games and ability to rotate players around. And maybe you have, you're playing with Reem, Long, Zimmerman, or Carter Vickers, Long, Zimmerman, whoever it is. You have depth in the wing back position. I don't think Shaq Moore makes it if it's a 23 man roster. He's even a su surprise for me in the 26, I have to say, because I think in a pinch, you could play a number of different guys as a wing back, as a fullback, as a right back. Um, and I don't think you're going to need that amount of depth. So that, that, that's one name that I think maybe I would have boosted another midfielder or maybe another striker in that mix. But I don't get it. I don't yeah, get the Shaq I, 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 don't get I, don't, I don't understand it at all. Um, you know, not that he's not a, a good player. Is he a great player? No. But, I mean, we know he was in Dallas with the, um, uh, you know, this, this mini camp that they, that they had going on. I mean, he must have really, <laughs> really impressed in Dallas. I mean, and I think he was probably as surprised as anybody. I don't know. Greg might have called him, but he might have been there. Who knows ultimately how it happened, if it was in person or not. But he probably picked up that phone and said, who? Wait, what? I'm going to the World Cup? And again, this gets back to a couple of different po points that I'm going to make here. The last window, the last opportunity that you had to see players in a competitive game against good quality, quality competition, there are players now that are being invited to the World Cup and going to the World Cup that were not involved in that window. Yeah. Tim Ream, I, I'm okay with that because it doesn't matter whether Tim Ream was involved in the window or not. We know exactly who Tim Ream is, all right? The good and the bad. And to your point, I do think the good outweighs the bad. But other players, if you had any inkling that you were going to bring them to Qatar, then they should have been in those games. They should have been there day in and day out and ultimately on the field playing games. Not in a mini camp in Dallas with a bunch of youth players and a couple of players that are potential over there. So that to me is a little bit strange uh, ultimately when it comes to, uh, to Shaq Moore. Everything else uh, I'm, I'm okay with. Come Wales though, who's starting next to Walker Zimmerman? Because I yeah. think we all have penned in I, Walker I, Zimmerman. I think I would have the starting back line as Anthony Robinson, who, by the way, might be the most indispensable player right? this team has. I, I, I've talked so much about Tyler Adams and, you know, Eunice Musa and these Weston. Well, McKinney. that ankle those, holds those up. Those guys yep. are the, 
the heartbeat of the team. But I, I think the drop-off from Anthony Robinson to then Serginio Dest as a left-back, yep. defensively attacking, the, the ability to balance out the team and get him high and wide, nobody can do what he does. It's amazing. It's the first World Cup in, I don't remember how long, we actually have a left-back that we're like, he's a really good left-back. Yep. No, no disrespect to Beasley. Beasley was a winger, converted to left-back, but wasn't the same type of defender that I think we have in Robinson. Tim Ream, Walker Zimmerman, Serginho Dest. Okay. I think that would be my my starting back four against Wales, and I, I would feel good about that. Okay, I agree, but I think he'll go with Long. You, you think he'll go with Long? Yeah. And and by one last thing, remember uh, Sam Vine is another guy that got hurt. He might yeah. have been that extra have. fullback. Right. That's a good point. So I think yeah. Burhalter was pretty determined to use one of these extra spots on another fullback, but Vine's but, getting hurt opened the door but for to Shaq your point more. about the, the the sheer number of outside backs. If we find out here that it's going to be three in the back at some point, which just ends up being, let's be honest, five in the back, but those outside wing backs in a five back, right? That's not what these guys play. These guys play outside in a back four, okay? Yeah. All of these outside backs, left and right outside backs that they have, they're not up and down. And we're going to get to the midfield here in a second, and that's why it's a head scratcher when it comes to somebody in the midfield. So we should actually go to the yeah, midfield right the now and yeah. check it out because... Again, there are some interesting, interesting omissions uh, when it comes to... That's a strong uh, group, though. It is. That is a, a, a really a strong, strong group. group. Um, Christian Roldan, I think, uh, is, is a surprise relative to who else is there because I think he was on, on the border, okay? But we heard Greg Berhalter time and time again talk about how much the players love him, how great he is. And with a 26-man roster, you can afford to take somebody... And I'm not saying he's not going to play because it's not like he can't play soccer, okay? No, but, but, but questions of he's he's, he's a fixer though, right? He's he's dynamic. He's uh, and one of the themes I think for this roster is the amount of different positions that different guys can play. Yep. So you know when, when we get to the, the midfield and the forwards, Brendan Aronson's listed as a midfielder. He could play wide right, wide left, false nine, in in the middle three. He could play as one of the in the eight slash tens. Um, all of these guys, I think, could play multiple positions within that midfield. Christian Roldan's a guy that probably would have been a casualty, again, if this was 23. Right. But also if it's 26 and you're up 1-0 against Wales with 10 minutes left and you want a guy in that's going to do everything you want as a coach, that's what that guy will do for you. So the other names that maybe would have, have been in the midfield, I think what Christian adds as the whole package is why he is going to the World Cup. And I can tell you... You know, from my experience in 2010, I felt that I was going to be a starter for that team up until March when I picked, I broke my leg. I made it back for the last game of the season. I was not 100% going to the World Cup. I talked with Bob at length about this. I talked with Jesse Marsh about this. I probably didn't feel 100% until two weeks into the tournament. But I also recognized I had a role as a part sure. of the group. And I wasn't going to pay as big a role as I'd hoped on the field. But off the field, I, I was a part of that team and felt as big a part of the team as I think and I they, ever would And they recognized your value, yeah. even not at 100%. They yep. recognized that the value that you brought for who you are as a person and the way you interacted and all that kind of stuff. And again, yeah. they see that day in and day out type of interaction here. Uh, anything here, Mossy? And you came on late in the England, England game, England. the yeah, first game. Yeah. 15 minutes. Same so they trusted you enough to... From, uh, <laughs> rolled on, yeah. Um, I've been fascinated by the midfield configuration. Is it going to play... Um, Adams as a six with two eights, or is he going to play the double pivot with a 10? 
And you mentioned Aronson. I do think him as an eight is a little bit of a stretch at this point. So the only way he makes sense for me as a midfielder is when you go to that double pivot and then he's playing as a 10. And then he's competing with McKinney for that role because you figure Adams and Musa would be the, the double pivot there. So it's going to be kind of interesting how Berhalter configures that midfield at the World Cup. But they obviously put him there for a reason. Uh, and, you know, that's going to get people talking. And, and look, these are, as Tata Martino will say, these are champagne problems to have. And to your point... I mean, we, we are in 2022, and we're, we are looking at that midfield, and that midfield, you know, consists of three if it's a 4-3-3. That's some good stuff to have. Yeah, I now, mean, even Kellen Acosta coming off winning with LAFC. And by the way, Kellen Acosta, we've talked about this before. Set pieces, which have been a kind of a hallmark for this U.S. team uh, over the years, this team's not really focused and great on set pieces. But when it, is, when it does come to set pieces, when you have a guy like Kellen Acosta, you talk about putting a player in, you need a goal, something's happening. He's very, very good. As a matter of fact, I think he's much better than Christian Pulisic and others that, that, uh, that step up and take set pieces. So there's a lot of talent. The, the last part, you're talking about the strength of this, this team. Eunice Musa, Valencia, Weston McKinney, Juventus, Luca De La Torre, Celta Vigo, Tyler Adams, Leeds, Brendan Aronson, Leeds. And then two MLS guys with LAFC in Seattle who are arguably yep. the best two clubs in this league. It, that, that's that, that's going to be the heartbeat of this team, I think. Not uh, having success at the tournament. It's going to come from the middle of the field and, and at the back as well. All right, well, let's move on to the, the, the strikers. The strikers. Yeah, this look, is be a it's big wingers, one. strikers. It's kind of the three that, uh, that are up top. And this is where, it, again, it gets interesting. And Greg Berhalter, bless his heart, uh, has given us plenty to talk about when it comes uh, to this to, the, to this group. Uh, usual suspects, Jesus Ferrer, who I still think, even when we get to the bottom of this list, is the incumbent, uh, unless something happens. We know he does not play it in a traditional way. He is this false nine type of player. He has his admirers and his detractors, but for better or worse, I think that's what's going to uh, what's going to happen. Uh, Jordan Morris, I think, it is, is a surprise. He was on the bubble. He's certainly not the Jordan Morris that we have seen over the last couple of years, given the two major injuries that he's come back. Although, if you watch the show, uh, you could tell how much it meant to him. I mean, he was tearing up. And, and look, inject me with that right now, right into my veins, all the reaction shots that you can possibly get, because it goes back to the fact that these, these players were little kids. And they were watching the Christian, the, the Christian Pulisic would, would have been watching Landon Donovan, would have been watching Stu Holden, would have been watching, you know, uh, Clint Dempsey, all of these different uh, players play. And now they get to realize their dream. And that call, whether whether you expect it or not, it, it, it it's something special. Um, Christian Pulisic, uh, Gio Reyna, knock on wood. We always have to knock on wood when it comes to Gio Reyna, because if he's healthy and it's been good <laughs> so far, um, it's going to pose some real wonderful questions to Greg Berhalter as to who he, who he starts. Josh Sargent, you saw him, his reaction too, because I think in the back it, of his mind, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure. He was he, right on that He line. was right on the yeah. edge, especially with those other uh, people. Tim Weah, uh, that for, for my money, the only real winger, especially because Paul Ariola, who I do think was a surprise, I had him on my 26, and he's not there. And it goes back to what we said. If you are going to play five in the back, that's the type of outside, right, up and down type of player that I think that they uh, they would want. But he does not make it. Um, and uh, Tim Weah uh, is the the only pure winger that I see. But the big, big question and the big talking point is Haji Wright over who Pepe. Is it? Haji Wright. Haji Wright. Playoffs. Right place, right time. Haji wrong. Are you kidding one. me? Are you kidding me? Haji Wright. See, this is what this is. This is the one that gets me pissed off. Okay. No, Again. don't namaste. Let it rip, my friend. I do not understand how Haji Wright is going to the World Cup over uh, 
Pepe over PFOC? We tell him, Mossy, when we were putting together our list of potentials, what Brandon happened? Vasquez? But yeah, Brandon we, Vasquez? We, we did a segment debating who the strikers would be, and, and we listed all the possibilities. We debated whether even to include Haji Wright on that list of possible call-ups. Because frankly, you know, Burhalter, he 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 played him in that El Salvador slop game in the Nations League. He struggled Yankton. there. And then he absolutely ripped him afterwards and left him out of the September window. So I'll be honest, I'm shocked. I thought he was out of the picture. Um, but what was interesting is we talked about this a lot on the pod, is early on this season there was this narrative that how could he not call up PFOC with the great form he's displaying with Union Berlin? And somewhere along the line, that narrative got turned on its head because very quietly he went into a slump here. He has zero goals in his last 10 games for Union Berlin. And Burhalter today cited as the reason he's not uh, on the squad is his lack of form for a club. So it's interesting how that narrative got, yeah. got turned well, that, on its that head. That narrative is there when it's convenient, <laughs> I think, to, to back up your, your decisions. Look, I, I, yeah, I, it's the biggest head, head scratcher bar none. Zach Steffen was a, had a lot of shock sure. factor when he was when he was left off. I think Haji Wright ultimately is a break glass in case of emergency type player that with his big physical frame, his size, a guy that is in form, is scoring goals left yep. and right, is a guy that you're going to throw on the last 15, 20 minutes. I don't think you see him starting a game. I think it would have to get pretty deep down the line and Greg's game plan is to see Haji Wright start. But, <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, it, it's, it's also, keep in mind that, you know, this isn't a tighter generation. Um that has kind of grown up in the warm cocoon of U.S. soccer and all of the different soccer opportunities that, that they have at their disposal. This is a generation that has grown up together. Haji Wright is part of that generation. He has friends and relationships. And so the dynamic, again, it goes back to understanding that Haji Wright has kind of been part of that group that has matriculated through, through the years. And so there's connections, there's understandings, there's respect. And Greg Berhalter's mind thinking, you know, who, who do I ultimately pick that can give me a different look? Because he does give the, yeah. the U.S. team a different yeah. look. But again, I go back to if you even had the inkling, the slightest inkling that Haji Wright was going to be part of the World Cup roster, then you bring him in during the window and you see him play. So you cannot tell me that in the last week, Greg Berhalter just said, yeah, it's going to be Haji Wright. <laughs> no. That's 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 insane. <laughs> I mean, but, said but all this of that. is not unprecedented. Uh, I understand Alexi, that. I, mean, I understand that, that. You, you got to go the guts Gomez's and, and the yeah, Edson yeah, Buttles. And that was a part of our group. Guys that came out of nowhere and made. But, but a what roster. changed after that window? That Haji Wright. Again, but he, but he Tim Ring. We know Haji who. Wright. We, this is purely an informed play. Like this is so a guy is, that was a part of the team. This is a guy that's scoring goals, and so I'm bringing him. One hundred percent. But not Brandon Vasquez. Okay. For whatever reason, okay. Brandon Vasquez has not been with uh, this team exactly. before. And if, and if he that's, has had and if Haji right in the summer. Fair enough. Haji scored a goal in his debut. He he didn't come away from those windows, me saying though, that Haji Wright's going to be a part of this World Cup. A lot of these and players are going to test. Okay, but a lot of these players are going to test window. my formist fallacy, okay? Yeah. Including Haji Wright. And after you know, what I've just said, Haji Wright is definitely scoring in the World <laughs> Cup, okay? <laughs> you know, like the, the Haji Wright decision, I get. And the Jordan Pifak not scoring goals over his, his last 10, 10 games for Union Berlin. I would take that argument had you brought him in previously and then all of a sudden he's cold and you're like, hey, Jordan, you're out. How'd you write? You're in. The Pepe one's another one. Like, here's a guy who didn't score for a year. Now, there's a rumor that there's maybe an injury component to this. But he's the guy who went down a division and was like, I'm going to score a lot of goals in Holland. So I'm going to do that so I can get on the roster. And the irony being, he did that and still didn't. 
make it into the roster for Greg Berhalter when this was the guy a year ago we were crowning as the next the, number nine. The Pepe train the and $20 team. million. Dollars. And by so the way, you, you think the U.S. With, do you have a problem with Sargent? No, I don't have problems with Sargent over Pepe, if that's what ultimately Yeah, I don't is. either. But, Sargent's been no. red hot this year. Greg mentioned in his interview about his roster the fact that he plays in England helps because he's playing against guys that, again, play for Wales and play for the English national team. I think he learned a lot in his year in the Premier League where he didn't have a great year, scoring only two goals. But this season, you're seeing a guy that has played as a central striker. He's also played wide right. right. So he can play two different positions and, and ultimately, again, I, I think will play a role in this tournament. I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Sargent start over Jesus Ferrer. In that first game? In that first really? game. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting that two players who U.S. fans in the last couple of years at one point talked themselves into being the solution, Daryl D.K. and Ricardo Pepe, neither one ended up in the squad. But on that sergeant point, you kind of stepped on what was going to be, I thought, my the big hot take of the day. <laughs> um, I think he'll start Ferreira. I would start sergeant. I think he's the most complete center forward in the, in the U.S. pool. I've said that many times. I think the most positive Yanks abroad development this season has been his play at Norwich because he was a guy that we had more or less given up on. He was mired out on the wing and 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 him getting to play regularly at center forward and producing and scoring goals. So I would actually start Sargent. And I'm going to throw another hot take at you. We, we talk about Gio Reyna as being the guy that you have to treat with kid gloves because of injuries. Timmy Weah has barely played this season. Yeah. Gio Reyna has played more than Not Timmy Weah. Not even just this season, the last couple of years. Yeah, for Timmy so... Weah. I wonder if it came down to Gio versus Tim Weah for a starting spot. Are we sure that Gio isn't the fitter of the two at this point and the guy that's more capable of playing 90 minutes in a game? I am also not opposed to the idea of Gio Reyna as a nine or Pulisic as a right. nine or Brendan Aronson as a nine. And then you're getting, I think, I think the winger part of this team is the most talented and stacked and deepest group that we have. And I think that's why Ariola misses out. Jordan Morris gets in. I think that's a coin flip between him and Paul Ariola. And for whatever reason, Greg likes the profile that Jordan Morris has or the way um, that he maybe has played over this last 10 days, 12 days in Dallas as part of this camp. If it's between those two, there's no chance I'm going with Jordan Morris over, over Paul Ariola. Ariola. Yeah, I'm putting Ariola. Ariola was, was Greg's guy. So Greg has also busted a couple of these myths yep. that have been yep. trolling around and I'm sure are floating around right now on social media that he favors certain guys over others because Paul Ariola was a guy that everyone's like, oh, he's going to the World Cup. Right. I mean, Pepe was going to the World Cup. It's it, it's so much fun to to try to crawl into Greg Berhalter's head, and this is what we're doing. And and by the way, listen, as we finish up here, looking at the uh, at, at the players, and we spin it forward to a few weeks from now when they're actually going to be on, uh, on the field. I think it's important to say not only is this a day of celebration, but I think this is also a day where we recognize, you know, the incredible rarefied air that we are in as the United States when it comes to the soccer, that we are even having debates, that we have other potential players that aren't going to go to the World Cup that people are screaming and yelling about because it was not too long ago where that was not the case at all. Yeah. These are wonderful problems, quote unquote, to have at this point for Greg Berhalter. Having said all of that, Greg Berhalter will be the first person to tell you if he was sitting here with us today, all that happened in the past is in the past. And yes, there will be people that bring up things and why isn't this person here and stuff like that. But all that matters now is how he does in a World Cup in terms of his legacy, in terms of how he is framed now and going forward. And these are the 26 people that he believes are going to 
establish that legacy. And no coach takes anybody that he or she doesn't believe is going to help them win. Because ultimately, this is the group by which Greg Berhalter will be judged by with what they're able to do. And we say this all the time. These are not necessarily the 26 best players yep. individually in the United States. This is the best collective group Absolutely. that Greg Berhalter believes. And you might pick a different 26. You will pick a different 26. I would pick a different 26. But these are the 26 that Greg will live and die by that he wants to go to war with when they play Wales that first game, November 21st. And my friends, time will tell if he made the right decisions. I think ultimately, though, the, the choices he made, the ones that we deem controversial, I don't think are big, uh, will have a huge impact on what we see on the field. But there's something for everybody. If yes. you didn't like Greg Berhalter, I don't think this has changed your opinion. If you did like it, no. I don't think it changed your opinion. My big picture takeaway, everybody that has to be there is there. To your point, the U.S.'s fate is not going to be determined by Shaq Moore over Reggie Cannon or Christian Roldan over Malik yep. Tillman. And, and think about this. The seven or eight guys that we consider the standard bears for this generation, Pulisic, Reyna, McKinney, Musa, Adams, Aronson, Dest, um, we thought that law of averages, a couple of those guys were probably going to be injured, unfortunately, and miss this World Cup. They're all there. Yep. They've yeah. had their it's injuries, really but yeah. they ended up healthy at the right time when you absolutely needed them to be. They're all in the squad, and, and it all looks set to play. So, And we didn't see that in and qualifying. Also, not even U.S., but how, how many other countries can say that Absolutely, right now? yeah. L looking at other nations that have announced their World Cup rosters, missing not just a player or two, but big players. If our big guys are there, and they're all starting that first game, I, I feel pretty good about this team. All right, so let's spin it to a couple of weeks from now. Uh, you already kind of uh, said that you know one of one of your takes is that you think Sargent starts over uh, Jesus Ferreira up top. Let's let's assume everybody's healthy. Uh, you know, Reyna to everybody else there is healthy. Then, who do you think ultimately starts that game? Uh, and give us a couple of different things that might surprise us. That you said Reem next to. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think Walker, I would feel right? pretty confident in. I, I would have one question mark, and that's going to be in the forward part of the field. I think if the World Cup, November 21st, arrives. Every player is healthy. Matt Turner, left back, Anthony Robinson. Tim Ream, left center back. Walker Zimmerman, right center back. Serginio Dest, right back. Tyler Adams as a six. Weston McKinney and Eunice Musa. I would have Christian Pulisic as a left winger. I would have... Uh, yeah, say uh, it, say Josh it! Josh Sargent, and I would start Brendan Aronson. Okay, so over Gio Reyna and Wea on the bench. Yes, and then I, I, I would, I would for sure at some point having Gio Reyna start one, if not two games. Maybe it's the second and the third game. I have to have Aronson in there, and if I was maybe in a push, I would have Pulisic as the ten, Aronson as the left winger, Gio Reyna as the right winger. Who do you got? Uh, everything Stu said, I agree with, except I would go with Reyna instead of Aronson. Okay. You would go with Reyna on the right hand side. Right. Uh, you'd also put Reem? I would put Reem and I but would put Sargent that... up front. But I think he'll put Long and Ferreira. I would go with Reem and Sargent at those two spots, but Greg Berhalter will go with Long and Ferreira. Uh, okay. I worry about Reem in a game in which we are going to have the ball, which we are going to be pressing and therefore leaving space behind us, which is always going to be the question. It, right? Really? Yeah. But, but Reem's a better passer than any of those center backs. Yeah, the passing part of it, I'm not, that's, that's not what I'm worried about. But when people give us the ball, but, uh, they also give us space. So, for example, ultimately. against Wales. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But Wales, Wales don't have the speed to burn in okay. behind us. Okay, fine. And, and what I've seen from this team need, over you, the last... You don't, you, you, I don't have to agree with you. You don't need a sprinter, okay, to get past <laughs> Reem. Okay? Reem is faster than you would think. 
Are we, we're we're portraying fine. him to be. I mean, between him and John Brooks, I got no Reeves problem. Smoke if Brooks. you start reading that, that, that's fine. That's no, I'm, that's not a big. A is big... Brooks a, an omission for you? By the way, no. I, that name was tossed no, that, out. That, it wasn't that, even remotely that ship sailed my... a long time yeah, ago, 100%. and I don't think that that's changing anything. Yeah. I do have Jesus Ferreira instead of Sargent starting up top. On the right hand side, I do have Wea instead of um, uh, Reyna. Looking ahead to that Wales game, what are the odds Gareth Bale has a dramatic moment? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. all right. So uh, bigger picture then. Is this 26 enough to bring us to the promised land, which is obviously getting out of the group first? Yes. First part of the promised land. Yes, yes? it is. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I think there's a really plausible path to the quarterfinals. I think the U.S. is better than Wales and Iran, and they're as good or better than three of the four teams in Group A. It would only be the Netherlands. Uh, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd pick the U.S. to finish second to England and go out to the Netherlands in around the 16. But it would not shock me if they got to the quarterfinals. I am, Alexi, I am there you, with you, you. You stood on the stage in 2014, I remember, in, the, in a much harder group than yeah. they have now, and you said they wouldn't. Yep. They squeaked through that they group, I think, through. beyond odds. Uh, How yeah. do they do this time? Because Absolutely, I, they get out of the group. Okay? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, so first off, I, I am, and I think we talked about this on the pod, I am concerned that there is going to be a dumbing down and a lessening of expectations when it comes to this group. As we know, the youngest team that's going to the World Cup. But again, this is a generation that has been given everything. From a young age, they have been, <laughs> you know, basically nurtured to be in this moment. And therefore, we should expect more from this team. Getting to a World Cup from a men's perspective, We've done that plenty of times. Getting out of a group from a men's perspective, we've done that plenty of times. We should expect this team, even with the debates that we have about who's in and out, we should expect this 26 that was named to absolutely find a way out. We are better than Wales. We are better than Iran. That's six points right there, okay? And again, don't let them off the hook simply because they're young. And don't let them off the hook because we're simply looking towards 26. They should do well this World Cup, which is getting out of the group, and then you take your chances, and a nice pathway also for the U.S., depending on how it, how it works. But whatever happens in 26, I think is dependent on what happens in 22. And I think Greg Berhalter understands that. I think this group understands that. I, there's a couple things. We're, this is something we're going to beat home for the next, oh my gosh, the clock. It's ticking fast here. Like, <laughs> we got to get to the airport. Is it 12 days? Uh, <laughs> This is something we're going to talk so much about, how important that game against Wales is and will set the tone for how this yep. team does for a number of reasons. A, because the statistics of winning your first game or even getting a point from your first game to advance out of the group. The second part of that is this is a team that lost to Japan, drew with Saudi Arabia nil-nil, doesn't have much confidence coming in based off of what that window was, is going to have to pick up the pieces of whatever various form this group is in have six days of training and then be able to turn it around for what is going to be for 25 of this 26, their first World Cup. That's where you make your money, my friend. The pressure. This is the smallest violin moment. in the world. I'm, no, uh, I mean, that, that's where they're, that's where they're going to earn their money. Figure it out. Suck it up, buttercup. Figure it out, okay? But is that not a valid question to have about is this group? That's what I mean. It's going to be sink or swim. And if you're going to swim, need to swim, they need to figure it out okay? in the first game. They need to swim. And if they can't... sink, it's a failure. Yeah, damn right it's yeah. a failure. You're damn right it's a failure. Mossy, last word before we go. Um, everybody that has to be there is there. There's no Landon Donovan 2014 omission. And I see players there to put together one of the more talented starting 11s the U.S. has ever fielded at a World Cup. Certainly in terms of club pedigree, if you go by that, mm -hmm. the most impressive. So I still think, uh, uh, despite the September window being... 
uh, disappointing. I still think there's reason for optimism here and definitely reason for excitement. I can't wait to see what this team does. Well, you mentioned optimism. And, and look, uh, you know, we have fun talking about this. I think that there has to be a, you know, a progression and a move forward. Uh, and it's not that your guy isn't there or anything like that. At some point, we have to come together and we have to believe in this. Not in blind faith, okay, but absolutely some faith. And they have to earn our support and 100%. they have to earn our belief, okay? But if we're just constantly talking about who isn't there or why Greg did this or that, okay, I think it's gonna, like, like I said last pot, it's gonna get really, really old, okay? And so I hope that people t come together, that people can put their differences aside and support. What you just mentioned, Mossy, is a really, really interesting and exciting team that I think, whether you're into soccer or not, you are gonna see on the field and be really, really excited My about. My friend, we've had a eight-year wait to right? see an American it's team the on Cup, the field. It's the World Cup, man, it's the World Cup. Cup. You know what I say? Bring it on, baby, bring let's go! On, baby, bring it America! On. There we let's go. go! Let's go! To the, let's go to the let's airport go. Right now. It's gonna be beautiful. I gotta check in for my flight. All right, my friend Stu Holden, <laughs> you will see him constantly, and you will hear him constantly uh, with the great work uh, that he does calling games and with all of the different studio work that we have, uh, whether it's on, uh, you know, Big Box or FS1 or all the digital things that, uh, that we are doing. My good friend David Mossy will continue on with our... Uh, you guys are going to be cranking out a ton oh, we'll be of cranking content, out content there, and right? all that kind of stuff. State I mean, of the Union, you're going to have your own desk. Oh, listen, and oh. Fox, we have you absolutely covered from morning to night, in the middle of the night, wherever you are, if you're getting up, if you're coming in, all of the content, everything that is going on on the field as it you know winds its way through this incredible pathway and adventure that is a World Cup. Thank you for joining us for this special Fox Soccer episode, if you will, when it comes to the reaction of this 26-man roster. And now we get to think forward and we get to think about Qatar, which is a mere days away. A World Cup upon us and thankfully a men's team back at the World Cup. All right. Until next time, I'm Alexi and size the day.